Chapter 1 In 1964, Ronald Reagan We are at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars, and it has been said if we lose that war, and in so doing lose this way of freedom of ours, history will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. I surveyed the wreckage of my whole life, everything I had worked for, fought for, shed blood for. The hangar was partially destroyed. Outside, three aircraft lay drunkenly at odd angles on the concrete. Two Douglas DC-4s, the big, profit-making aircraft that promised to be the basis of a flourishing and successful airline, as well as the Douglas C-47, a reliable old friend that had been the early mainstay of the launch of our new airline, all smashed, destroyed in a series of mortar strikes that had devastated Tansanut, the huge military and civil airfield outside of Saigon. A salvo of shells had struck the heart of our operation, scoring hits on the aircraft and the hangar. We had counted more than thirty shells in all during the initial attack. Mortar attacks were nothing new to us, and we had a sandbag trench prepared thirty yards from the hangar, where we were able to shelter during the raid. With total shock we had watched the attack, seeing all we had worked for destroyed in a matter of minutes. "'At least we didn't suffer any casualties,' Paul said to me. Paul Schuster, my companion and partner for the last twenty-odd years, Left homeless and rootless after the Second World War, both of us found that former Waffen-SS officers had little to offer the new Europe. We had joined the French Foreign Legion and fought our way through Indochina. After Dien Bien Phu, the disastrous French defeat, we had built a new life for ourselves with a small airline operating out of Tansanut. Years of work and sacrifice, destroyed in minutes by yet another communist attack, just when it seemed that we were getting ahead. I looked at Ritter, another veteran of World War II. He couldn't return my gaze. A brilliant pilot, his aircraft were his life and his loves. Now it was effectively over. Emile de Grasse, our chief engineer, and his assistant, Joe Ryder, looked on stonily like Ritter, the aircraft, were their life. "'I should go out to Cholan, Jürgen, to check on Aline and Sophie,' Lan said. I looked around at her. "'I should go out to Cholan, Jürgen, to check on Aline and Sophie,' Lan said. I looked around at her. Nguyen Vo Lan was our office manager, a twenty-eight-year-old Vietnamese, competent and efficient. She was the backbone of our operation.' I wondered why she was so keen to go to Cholan, the mainly Chinese area of Saigon, in which my wife Aline and I lived with our daughter in a rented bungalow. My thoughts were interrupted by an explosion as another mortar shell hit the main runway two hundred yards from us. We ducked down while debris showered around us. There was a brief pause, and everything seemed to have gone quiet. I looked over the parapet of our trench, only to duck down again as a machine gun started chattering. Then there were a series of screams and shouts. 
Paul and I had heard them before, the VC were attacking. The distinctive sharp sound of M-16 bursts added to the din as the U.S. and Arvin forces fired back. Then we heard the pneumatic drill sound as someone got a 50 caliber machine gun into the action. All we could do was wait until it was over. After all, it wasn't our battle. I crouched down and looked back at Lon, kicking myself for not thinking of my wife and daughter before now. Thank God she cared for their welfare. You're right. It would be good to have someone go check on them. But Lon, we don't know how far this attack has spread. The VC may have got as far as Cholan. In which case, you'd want me to check, Jürgen. I smiled. Yes, Lon, thanks. What about Nu? Would it be best if you got her out of here? Nu was our pretty, tiny, young Vietnamese officer.